When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On The Line. It is Tuesday, February 7th, and we are back for another one of our shows. Last week was one of the biggest indoor weeks uh, of late, so we have a ton to get to on today's show, including state championships out of Alabama, the New Balance Grand Prix, Milrose talk going forward into this week, Eastern Indoors, and and much, much more. I'm Corey Mall here with Olivia Ekbenet and Ashley Titians. Uh Hi, ladies. How are you both doing? Hello. Hi. <laughs> you both are looking wonderful as, as always uh if you listen to our show on uh spotify make sure to give us a follow or you can really find our show wherever you listen to podcasts so um we do have an interview today but before we get there i want to ask what's going on in your lives olivia got anything going on uh well this past weekend i went on a pli- private flight with that. one of my really good friends oh, really i cool. was so excited, flew over Virginia, which was yep. fantastic. So that was the highlight of my weekend. With the landing, I, I think I heard a small scream when you landed. Is that is that right? Did you scream when you landed? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but she did a fin- Hannah did a phenomenal yeah. job of landing that plane. So I felt awesome. very safe. Awesome. It was great right. though. Ashley, Ashley, I don't have anything that can top you know riding in a private <laughs> plane, but just enjoying my time, enjoying Austin, you know, running a little. So it's been fun. Yeah. And I don't know, I probably told you, but Austin had its ice storm of, of yes. the, the yeah. year and we lost a couple of branches from our from our tree. So I had to deal with that. But now we're back. I think most everyone has power in Austin. So uh, thankfully, I think life's back to normal. All right. We are going to get to our interview today. We are with Katie McPhail of Chelsea High School. Uh, she is a senior and she's an Auburn signee and Katie's having an Absolutely incredible season. Uh, this weekend, she won three Class 7A state championships in the 800, 1600, and 3200 meters. And she also won another one in the 4x8. So four state titles this weekend. Uh, she's killing it. Currently U.S. number one in the 1600 meters. Katie, thanks for being with, the, uh, being with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I think we're all great. <laughs> Olivia went on a plane recently. <laughs> Ashley's get back to running and, and all that stuff. Um, let, let's start with with you. Your weekend was was fantastic. How are you feeling about you know your your accomplishments? I mean, I feel great. I've gotten a lot of. I mean, it was very successful for sure. I accomplished my goals, and I still can't believe it all happened already. And my legs are still a little sore, but I think it was a great weekend. Yeah, you you certainly fought to win in a couple of those races. Um, what was the most rewarding win all over the weekend for you? I'd probably say the thirty two hundred because I haven't really like trained for that this season. It was mainly just like the sixteen hundred and the eight hundred. So all my workouts haven't really been like thirty two based. So I mean, during the thirty two, I never even really looked at the clock. I was just locking in on the pace and just reminding myself when it got tough, like thinking back of all my workouts and like I'm capable of doing this 
I can do this and just trying to go for the win and reach my goals. So let's dive a little bit more into the 32 and just your weekend as a whole. You pulled off the quadruple, which is a beast in itself. And it wasn't, as you said, just kind of a cakewalk for the individual titles, especially when it came down to that 32. It was a sprint to the finish. So going into (laughs) that final 200 meters of that race with the potential sweep of the distant titles on the line, what kind of helped you to like dig deep and find that motivation to really surge for the win there? Um. I just reminded myself of my goals and like I I really wanted it and I also knew like we had we were going for a state runner up map for our team and I knew like we can't lose by two points we cannot lose by two points so in the last 200 I just channeled everything I had and gave it my all especially in that last hundred I think the last hundred my coach said was like a 14 point something wow. so you were flying essentially is what was that. <laughs> you were moving <laughs> So yeah. Katie, you, you've had so much accomplishments over this season. As Corey mentioned, you've just been quite on fire when it comes to the 800, the 1600 and the 32, which is have been the individual and the indoor races that you've been focusing on this year. Which one is, which one would you say is your favorite and why, and which one would you say gives you the most challenge the most? I would say my favorite is the 800 because you don't have time to think it's kind of just go out fast and then hammer the last, I guess, next two laps, the next 400 meters. And then the most challenging was probably the 1600. I haven't ran the 1600 since like sophomore year, really. So, I mean, I PR by like 12 seconds. So that was just pretty challenging, but it felt comfortable. And I think I can definitely improve there too. Now looking at your season, you know, just outside of, you know, the state meet, Looking at it as a whole, I mean, you put down personal bests across the board from the 800 up. You ran 208 in the 800, 444 in the 16, and then 1056 this past weekend in the 32. And, you know, I have to know, like, which of those specific PRs that you recorded this season was your favorite? Probably the 1600, the 444. I mean, that was one of my, like, first races, like, really back healthy. And I remember finishing the like crossing the finish line and I looked at the clock and I was like no way like and then like five minutes later I was talking to my coach and I was like did I actually just run that like there's no way 444 wow <laughs> yeah I mean that's fast it's an indoor state record too that's pretty exciting stuff yeah. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and you know like you know I feel like that 444 too puts you you know not on the map just in Alabama but nationally as well I mean you've been nominated a bunch of times for national, you know, girls performer of the week, you know, on the U.S. scale and, you know, kind of looking at as a whole, what do you think has been the biggest key to obtaining a lot of that, you know, elite success that you've had? Um, The biggest key for this season, I mean, last year I was iron deficient. So this year, I mean, I've been taking iron pills and lots of vitamins and supplements. I've had three iron infusions now. So, I mean, I'm just finally healthy and that racing healthy has been the key to my success this year it's got to feel good to be healthy and feel healthy right it's it's been great I mean last year I was always taking naps I was always like in class I would just fall asleep or I was always fatigued the workouts like I've looking at workouts I would like not even survive some of them but this year it's like coach I could do one more rep like I I feel good and I'm running fast times like but It's been great feeling 100% healthy. 
there's a lot of like distances between the mile, the 15, the 1600, the actual mile. 444 for the 16 is actually only four seconds away from that that distance's national record. I know you, you told us before we got on the, the call here that you're going to go to New Balance indoors, but is there any other meet you might have the possibility of running again before before nationals, or are you going to try to go for you know a mile time there? I think I'm just going to go for the mile time there. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to my coach for like other races that I'll be running before then, but I think I'll just be running the full mile there and see what I can do fresh. All right. We'll, we'll maybe end the show on maybe your goals there. Um, but wanted to ask you about maybe challenges uh, you've faced and how you've overcome them this year. Obviously, you, you've you've had a great season, but for all success, there comes a little bit of trials and, and getting through some of those those tribulations. Uh, what have been some of the challenges you've overcome to get to this success this year? I mean, just looking back, the iron deficiency, that was a yeah. huge setback. I've never really had an injury. So there's nothing there that's been like nagging me that's ever put me out, but mainly just the iron deficiency and then coming back this year and making sure I'm on top of like all my vitamins and supplements and making sure everything is going well. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now kind of switching gears a little bit, Ashley and I love talking about social media and we've noticed that you're very active when it comes to TikTok. You make a lot of track <laughs> vlogs and a lot of related content there. What kind of inspired you to get creative with that and share some of your experiences in the sport with others in that way? Yeah. So I actually like, I've met a lot of people through TikTok and like, I'll, we'll just like talk on social media and we'll like, I guess, see what races we're both racing that weekend and seeing if we're progressing and what kind of workouts everyone is doing. It's been, it's a pretty cool community. I mean, when I first like posted a running vlog over the summer and it started to kind of take off, I was like, oh snap, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so ever since then, I've just been like posting more frequently and seeing what other runners out there in the community can relate to me. Now, Katie, I may or may not have done a little bit of a deep dive into your TikTok account. I was like looking through your videos and I happened to come across one where you said that you have this superstition where you listen to like the three same songs every warm up before a race. <laughs> and here on On The Line, we're big into asking athletes, you know, what their music taste is and stuff. So I think we have to know, like, what are those three songs you have to listen to before every race? <laughs> so... Every so every race, me and my like team, whenever we warm up, we listen to "Just Wanna Rock" by Lil Uzi Vert, <laughs> and then we'll listen to like some Drake or I listen to "Can't Be Tamed" by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Any reason for those specific songs there? I don't know. It kind of just one day at work. One day at like a workout, we. Somebody played it on repeat for the entire workout, oh. just want to rock. Oh and we all destroyed that workout. So ever since then, it's been like our little thing. In some ways, <laughs> I think um, in like as a form of punishment in some kinds of prisons, they just play songs over and over again. So do you think that was a punishment or do you think that was just somebody's like, I don't have another song. We're just playing this nonstop. Um, uh, it might be a punishment for the okay. guys. Okay. But the girls were all jumping around and dancing to it, so. <laughs> now, last question here, returning back to kind of the New Balance question, what's kind of your pie-in-the-sky goal, you know, for indoor and then also going into outdoor as well? 
Yeah, so for New Balance, I think, so we're taking our 4 by 8 squad up there, so, but we're also going to run the DMR, so that'll be the first event, so we're we're going to try to win that, and then I'll run the mile the next day, and if I, if I can snag a PR, that would be great, and then I think I'm also entered in the 800, so if I can snag a PR, that would be great as well, but it'll be a busy weekend, but I'm excited, and then for outdoor, if I can do the same and grab some more a few state titles and state records. I think it's all very obtainable and just continue going out with a bang for my senior year. YOLO for Chelsea or Katie McPhail here <laughs> of Chelsea. So uh, uh, best of luck to you and, and congratulations on your season so far, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Uh, great interview uh, with Katie of, of Chelsea High School. We're going to move on now to the week that was part one. Uh, we had an incredible amount of events across the U.S. Uh, this weekend. Florida Georgia Challenge, the Alabama and the Delaware State Championships, the Louisville Indoor Games, the Spire Scholastic Showcase, LSU Last Chance Qualifier, Ocean Breeze and East Coast Invite. There was literally too much to count. So we're going to get into a couple of them <laughs> here. Olivia, I'll start with you. Yes, I'm going to kick it off at Florida because I just feel like Florida has just been on fire this whole entire season. And it was the Florida Georgia, Georgia challenge that I'm specifically talking about. Once again, we've been talking about Mont Verde Academy. We've been talking about them pretty much all season long, and they just have been continuing to dominate this year. This team has shown up and they and they showed up very early. So we already know what they're capable of doing up until this point. And honestly, they've just been super consistent across the board. And I feel like once nationals rolls around, it's going to be kind of scary to see what they're going to do next month. Ashley mentioned this in the scoop over the weekend. Micaiah Holland and Adesha Hodge continue to clock the nation's fastest times this season. The duo has just been consistent and went 1-2 in the 60 with a 7-2-3 and a 7-2-6. This makes the third time each athlete has gone under 7-3 in the 60 meters in 2023 and the fastest marks recorded by the two since they went 7-2-1 and 7-2-4. As I mentioned, Adeja Haj, she is on your screen right now, blasting this 200 meters. She ran a 23.39 to be number 10 all time. And quite frankly, we can see it was pretty much a solo effort that I must add there. I've been waiting kind of for this moment to happen since we've kind of been seeing what she's been doing in the 60. And this was an, a wonderful opportunity for her to open up and just showcase her talent there. So Adeja Hodge, Micaiah Holland have just been handling their business, but that's not all. Michelle Smith clocked a number one time in the 600 meters, number 26 all time with a 130.85. Zaire Nurden sprinted to a 47.06 for a new season's best and also a number one performance. And also Mountain Birds 4x4 clocked a 315.31, which is number six all time. So Mountain Bird just continues to add the pressure there at the Florida Georgia Challenge. Don't sleep on the four by four at all. Three fifteen. I know. I think don't come, sleep on it. Come national championships, they could be in the running for a national record. I am banking on it. Ashley, let's move to you. What do you have? Now I know we just spoke to Katie McPhail, and she just dominated the Alabama State Indoor Championships over the weekend. But she wasn't the only one to have some, you know, really good performances. So looking, you know, some of those highlights. Other than that, you have Alex Leith. He was a double 7a state champion over the weekend in the 800 and the 1600 you have our guy maxwell harden he finishes second in the 1600 and first in the 3200 for 7a then you have jay avery of hoover he gets first in the triple jump and the 60 meters and then he finishes second in the long jump there in the 7a classification 
And then, you know, just looking at some of the team races there, you have, you know, the programs from Hoover, they completely dominated here in the 7A division. Um, you know, they, you know, even despite KD scoring 30 individual points in her own in the girls' 7A race, Hoover still comes away with the team title here on the girls' side and same with the boys. And then, you know, looking at some of the other highlights from the other divisions, you have Mountain Brook, their distance girls alone scored over 40 points at this meet to help the team to a girls' 6A title. Um, and, you know, that was pretty pretty exciting. You had people like Reagan Riley, Lucy Benton. Um, you know, Benton and Riley went 1-2 and two in the 800, and then Riley took care of business in the 1600, and then second in the 32. So that was really impressive from there. But Alabama wasn't the only state to have, you know, their indoor championships over the weekend. We also had indoor meet action in Delaware. So it was actually a really big day for Delaware over the weekend. You had three state meet records, and according to our database, which is the most from a single Delaware indoor state meet in a long time. And here on your screen here, you're going to see Juliana Ballone of Padua Academy. She ran, she, excuse me, she jumped 19-2 and a quarter for a new state meet record in an all-time Delaware best in the girls' long jump. And she also won the 55 and the 200. So pretty impressive day from her there. A couple more highlights there. You have Danny McGonigal of St. Mark's, also a state meet record of 38-9 in the girls' triple jump. And lastly, Jason Truitt, he goes 22-19 in the boys, 200 for a state meet best. Um, so, you know, I feel like kind of the moral of the story here is looking, I mean, you can go to any state around probably in the country and, you know, you can get some of the top performers in the nation and, you know, see some fast times and some good marks. So some exciting stuff. Although I think something Delaware is still working around and trying to get past is the fact that they don't have an indoor facility. So yes. they had to go to Prince George's facility in Maryland to run their Delaware state championships in Maryland. Yeah. How, mm -hmm. how. It's a little bizarre. <laughs> weird and, and backward is that. But Delaware needs an indoor facility, I think. Um, all right. On my side, I'll just name a couple athletes from across the U.S. that really had big-time efforts. Got to start with Irene Riggs of Morgantown. She is the reigning Gatorade National Player of the Year. She ran number three performance all-time at 3,200 meters, 945 uh, on that 300-meter oversized track, which is not surprising to any of us. I honestly think she could go maybe a little faster come nationals. So, you know, maybe, maybe that time is um, kind of in contention there for her. Quincy Wilson of Bullis School, I think we have to start talking about him finally. I don't. I mean, honestly, this guy is, is fantastic. You know, as a 13, 14-year-old, we talked about him, you know, so much. And now as a freshman, 47.39 in the 400, he ran it at Spire. That debuted at number four in the U.S. He's also... Currently U.S. number one in the 500 at 102.63, a phenom freshman to say the least. And we're, he's he's certainly meeting um, the standards by which we all believed he could be. Uh, Andrew Regnier of, of uh, Wisconsin ran at the Louisville Indoor Games. He ran 47.97 in the 400 this weekend, which was really good. And then over at Ocean Breeze, which was our national meet of the week, I want to mention Demira Allen of Chester High School and, and PA. Demira is a longtime AU Junior Olympic Games athlete, finally enters into her freshman season here uh, for 55-meter hurdles. She ran 8-2-9. That's U.S. number 20, and it's number two as a freshman, only behind Shaquayla Lavender, who we all believe is a star in her own right. So, Demira, definitely have to watch out for her. And then the last one here is Connor McFadden of Central Bucks West in Pennsylvania. He ran 21-5-0 in the 200, which is number seven in PA 
history. That's pretty good stuff from him. We'll see if he can improve upon it over the next couple of weeks. Uh, for more on the weekend, uh, check out all of our coverage on Meat Pages and recaps from the scoop on milesplit.com. We're going to move now to the week that was part two. Uh, we're going to devote a segment here to the New Balance Grand Prix Miles, which featured some of the country's top talent. Um, first up is the girls, uh, Ventura's Sadie Engelhart pulled away from Tatum Davis in the final 100 meters as she claimed to win in 440.59 for a U.S. number two time. Four performances in this girls' mile landed in the nation's top ten performances overall. Olivia, I'll go to you first. What was the mo- what was so impressive from Sadie's race on Saturday in Boston? Yes, there's a lot of things that we can take away, Corey, from this particular race. You already mentioned Tatum David, Ellie in this field, and also Isabel Coney de Frankenberg. So we're talking about some of the top cross country runners going head-to-head for the first time since December when they competed at Nationals. And Sadie Englehart just, in my opinion, looks very strong. And this is a good thing, especially when you sometimes when you open up and you're facing the top hitters in your event, it could be you know nerve-wracking at times, but Sadie looked very strong, and it's still very early. And so she ran a 447 to just open up her season. That was back in January when she was at Spokane. And did that in a solo effort. And now she drops seven seconds to hold off a very talented field. I feel like she's ready to compete and looks really, really solid right now. And so, you know, as you mentioned, Corey Tatum, David was leading in obvious, leading within the first 1500s of this race. And then a hundred meters left to go. Sadie Englehart comes along with the win with a 440.59. And as I mentioned, just say, shaved seven seconds off her previous mark going into this meet. So Sadie looks strong. I'm, I'm excited about this group of girls and great running uh, from all the talent that was in this field. Tatum David was second with a 440.86. So just by a few tenths of a second behind Inglehart there, Ellie Shea ran a 442 and then Isabel Conan de Frankenberg clocked a 450 in that field. So great running from all the ladies in that race. So Ashley, what's more impressive than the finish from Sadie or the overall seven second improvement? You know, honestly, I think it's kind of a little bit of both, right? Like, I think some of kind of that finish, you know, having to fight for that win, I feel like that shows that, you know, she's now ready to race. You know, like like we said, she opened up with 447 now, like bumping down to 440. That's a great improvement. That's probably a big confidence boost. But I think the important takeaway to come from this is that Sadie Engelhart got in a race that's going to be like it is, you know, at New Balance Nationals, you know, come March. And so she's challenging herself and knows what it feels like. So that way, when she steps onto the line later at a national championship meet, she knows what to expect. I mean, she's going to have all these challengers like Tatum David, um, you know, Ellie Shea, all those that she just ran against. And, you know, I feel like that's a good experience for, you know, the rest of indoor and then going into outdoor as well. So Personally, I think it was a really big day for Sadie in that that regard. And so I feel like that's a, you know, could be a good, I don't know, not like lesson learned, but more of just like a big confidence boost going forward. Yeah. I think the finish for me, seven seconds is great, but like (laughs) beating out somebody in the final 100 meters of of the race, I'll always go with that. All right. We'll go on to the boys now. Uh, On the other end, we landed just short of a sub four. Uh, but like the girls' race, we saw a hard-charging threat who found a winning move late in the race to win in 4.01.11. His name is Rocky Hansen. The North Carolina star took down Connor Burns, who went 4.03, and Simeon Birnbaum, who was third in 4.05.29. Ashley is our resident North Carolina expert, so I'll start with you first. What was your, your thoughts on Rocky's win? Yeah, I mean, that was really impressive. You know, we went into this race, you know, 
kind of this, the guys stealing the headlines were obviously Connor Burns and Simeon Birnbaum because it was the first time that two sub-four high school milers went head-to-head in a high school-only race. So that was the headline there. But it was the guy that kind of went in as the underdog that came away with the win. And that performance from Rocky 401.11 is a U.S. number eight all-time. It's also the fastest mile ran in the month of February since 2020 when Cruz Culpepper ran. No, Colin no. Solomon ran. Colin Solomon? Yeah, he broke four. Okay. So it's probably the second or yeah. Either way, it's yeah. it's high up yeah. the list. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah. you know, also, you know, it's one of the fastest times ever clocked in an indoor boys mile that features only high school athletes as well. Um and so I feel like that kind of shows too just you know, obviously the storyline going in is will someone break four? But I feel like this shows, you know, just how hard it really is to break, you know, four minutes, even though kind of the you know, the buzz now is like, will sub four become so common that it's not that big of a deal anymore? No, it's still ridiculous, you know, and it's so hard, especially, you know, you kind of have to have that experience, that that speed and the pacing right to break four, especially in a field with high schoolers that may not have that, you know, sort of experience yet. So I feel like in a way that kind of makes this 401 performance from Rocky that, you know, impressive right now. Uh, Yeah, certainly. Uh, Olivia, what, what were some of your thoughts from this race too? I thought this race was completely wild. (laughs) And as Ashley just talked about, it is hard to break four minutes in the mile. And the fact that we saw Rocky Hansen, as Ashley mentioned, run a number eight all time 401 just, and I still feel like we're in the middle of this indoor season, right? Like we're a few weeks away from national. So we're starting to see the gears really start to turn and people are starting to get sharp. I'm also really impressed with the rest of this field. You had Connor Burns in there who was second with a 403. My silent Hawk, Simeon Birnbaum ran a 405. Aaron Salmon was in that race, ran a 406. So the fact that these kids are putting these times right now, I think is a really great, I think it's a confidence booster. And and I feel like, especially for Rocky, putting down the time that he did again against a very elite field definitely is going to raise his confidence going into the later half of the season. Yeah, um, I I think... As Ashley said, it's very hard to break four in the mile, especially indoors. Like, it's only been done by four high schoolers all-time indoors, right? Outdoors is a different experience, obviously. The track gives you a lot more room to operate. So you have to worry about a lot more things when it comes to pacing. And I thought they did a good job. Connor Burns did most of the work, right? And the guy who does most of the work traditionally doesn't always win. Um, So, I mean, I think... Looking at this, I think you, there's a lot of takeaways from from a lot of these guys. Rocky obviously found the will to win, basically, and he, that's nothing new from him. Connor Burns knows he can, he has the pieces together. He just needs that last one to get over the edge. And Simeon, I, you know, he's he was the first guy to break four at Brooks PR, which is a really hard venue to do it at. I think he could, pro- you know, he's got the tools to do it. Devin Capiego, Aaron Solomon, um, and then Cole Matisson was also there too. I think all these guys showed great, great. Um, uh, aptitude to do this it's just as ashley said it's very hard right and you, you don't always get the things right with you know a young and experienced group um of high schoolers so um that lends to the next question though rocky won the day uh but is it is he the best miler in the country now what's next for everyone in this field and and could we see someone else ultimately be the first to break four in 2023 ashley i'll start with you again well if he's I would say, yes, he is the best miler because he has the best time right now. You know, it's kind of simple for now. But, you know, what we could see, you know, ahead from a lot of these guys, you know, 
I think that's an interesting question because, you know, obviously we're going to see a lot of them go head to head again at New Balance, you know, in the coming weeks. So sub four could certainly be on the table, you know, at that meet. But I think going forward, I think this race could kind of serve more as like a lesson for, you know, where these guys specifically in the race need to stay focused and really pay more attention and kind of fine tune those details to kind of push more for that sub four barrier. Um, You know, I think one lesson these guys can look at, you know, going forward is, you know, that third 400, that's, that's basically the hardest point in the race. If you look at the splits from this race, that's where everyone kind of slowed down significantly and then they picked it back up at the end. And, you know, in my opinion, I think whoever breaks four first this season, whether it's indoors or outdoors, you know, whenever it happens, it's going to be whoever, you know, kind of puts that last piece together of that, you know, third 400 and really putting it all together. So in my opinion, it's kind of hard to say who, who could break it first. You know, it could be Rocky, it could be anyone, you know, and, you know, it could happen at New Balance or not. But I think kind of taking those lessons and the first guy to take those lessons and make those adjustments on in real time on the track is going to be the guy to do it. All right. So Ashley says Rocky's the best mile in country right now. <laughs> Olivia, do you agree? Do you have any other impressions from this? I agree 100% with Ashley. I really do feel like Rocky's the best miler in the nation at the moment. He showcased his talent and raced very well. 401, quite impressive. And here's the thing, right? Like Ashley kind of touched on it. Whether it's New Balance or whether it's another race, like I feel like these boys are going to go head to head again. And this is not the first time we're going to see them compete. And so there's going to be other opportunities to present itself to go after that sub four. And especially we... As you mentioned, Corey, there's only been four boys have done it during the indoor season and a handful of others that have done it during the spring. But based off the miler boys that we have talked to over the last couple of years, Ashley mentioned it, that third 400 is going to be the key to kind of separate everyone from the rest of the pack. I feel like it is the turning point of the race. And I feel like if the boys kind of think and work on improving on that particular spot, we could see something very potential. And whether it's Rocky or whether it's someone else, it's hard to say who's going to be the first person to go sub four. I just think about Simeon Birnbaum last year, right? Like he did it in June. He went into the year with a 407 best and then ran a 359, as you mentioned, Corey, at the Brooks PR Invitational, which is very hard to do. So you just never know when that time is going to happen. So whether it's at New Balance or whether it's later in spring, I feel like we're just going to see a handful of other boys really pushed through those barriers this year. Solid argument. I think Connor Burns is the best miler in this group right now. I think the fastest overall at the end of the year could change. I I tend to think Simeon might be the fastest at the end of the year. But right now, I'm kind of leaning towards Connor. Um, It's really hard to to lead a race like this uh, from the front and kind of take on those responsibilities. And Connor's done it more than once before he did it here. Um, I think he has the tools to do it, as I said earlier, Next, this this coming Saturday, he's going to be at Milrose in a pro field, and he's going to run with those guys who will, will pull them along. And I think one of the biggest things, aside from all the the splits you gotta hear, you gotta hit, and all, all the, the the little things that you gotta attach to yourself, is momentum. You have to to, to go with the momentum. And, and in a pro race, I think high schoolers tend to get that momentum more often than in a high school only race. And I think that's. That's how Colin broke four last year indoors. Um, it's how Hobbs Kessler broke four, you know, the year before that. And I think he's going to be set up to run sub four uh, on Saturday. Now, it's hard to do it back to back. That's the hard part because your body's still rebounding from that that last effort. But if 
right now, I, I, I think if anybody does it, I think it's Connor Burns. Um, and he's going to be in a great opportunity. He's going to be put in a great position to do it on Saturday. Um, New Balance Nationals indoor doesn't historically lend itself to really fast times because all these guys just want to win nationals. So it tends to go out a little slow in the first half and then it comes back fast in the second half. Um, and the differential is usually a little slower in the second half anyway. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard in national championship environments to run fast. So you got to do it now. Next opportunity is for Connor Burns. So for me, he's the most likely to do it um, in indoor season. All right. We're going to our next, uh, the week that was, uh, uh, segment here and that's that's pole vault trends we, we want to talk a little bit about pole vault right now because on, on the boys side um we're just getting over 17 feet historically we've been a little higher so what's kind of happening on the boys side if you want to comment on the girls side too that's perfectly uh fine here and olivia I'll, I'll go with you first what are some of your thoughts on what we're seeing in the pole vault right now in 2023 well i know the pole vault event itself has definitely been the been the top topic of on the line especially amongst the three of us i've been super excited to see the competition just literally raise the bar and we're seeing that now and let's talk about the boy side as you mentioned Corey. wyatt stewart cleared 17 2 and a quarter to win the louisville indoor games him and maddox ham are the only two boys this season that have cleared over 17 feet so what exactly does that mean for them first of all maddox ham has steadily improved after just looking at the last three competitions, he's cleared 16, 10 and three quarters. He's cleared 17, two. He's also cleared 17 feet. The more consistent you are, the better, especially I feel like in that pole vault, that means you're being, you're on top of it every single time. And eventually what happens, you break through that glass ceiling. And here we have personal best. Wyatt has gone 16, nine and a quarter and 17, two and a quarter. And again, seeing these tall marks, it's it's really exciting to see that it's the bar keeps raising. So I feel like the stepping stone for the boys pole vault is clearing probably, first of all, getting to 17 feet, then again, 17.5 or better. And that would be an equivalent, I feel like, in my personal opinion, going sub four in the mile. And only 23 boys have done that during the indoor season. So just kind of looking at the rash, national record, you had Mondo DePlantis who cleared 19, one and a half in high school becoming the only boy to go over 19 feet. So I know you mentioned, Corey, traditionally we see boys a little bit higher right now, but I feel like just seeing what Wyatt is doing and also what Maddox Ham is doing, I think it's quite impressive just knowing that the, they're being consistent with it. So I'd rather them be consistent than kind of going all over all over the map. So that those are my thoughts on the boys' pole vault so far this season. Okay. Ashley, any, any thoughts to add there to that conversation? Yeah, you know, kind of like what Olivia was alluding to, like it's been so there's been a lot of jockeying at like, you know, the, you know, the top few spots, you know, in the boys pole vault already this season. And that could be just a sign of, you know, how, you know, good this event is, to be frank, you know, and how much it's improved over the years that we can see multiple athletes, you know, cycle through having that U.S. number one performance at any given time of the season. You know, now, granted, kind of like what Olivia already said, too, is. We haven't seen guys perform their absolute best. You know, Maddox Ham cleared over 18 feet last season, and he's gone 17-2 already. Um, and, you know, same for Stewart, too. He went 17-7 last indoor season. But, you know, specifically looking at Wyatt Stewart here, I think this is, you know, this Louisville indoor game performance could be a really big spark for him. You know, he hadn't he hadn't cleared a height over 17 feet since that 17-7 indoor performance last year, and that includes, you know, outdoor performances as well. So it's been a full year since he's reached, you know, that barrier. And, you know, I think it's almost, I kind of look at it like as a, like a muscle memory sort of thing. So 
I'll include a basketball metaphor here. This is how I think about it. It's like, you know, you have a <laughs> you have a great jump shooter, you know, like once you hit that groove, you know, you kind of just disassociate, you know, you don't think about, you know, the follow through with your, you know, as you're, you know, shooting and stuff like that, you know, Steph Curry doesn't think about that when he's <laughs> releasing threes and stuff. So I kind of think the same thing, like maybe for Stewart, now that he's reached 17 feet, it's like, you know, he, it's kind of like a, you know, it just happens. You know, he doesn't have to think about every single little thing anymore. It just, it may just come more naturally now. So it's kind of my insight there. You don't think he <laughs> thinks about the little things? I mean, he does, but like, it's also not there. I don't know. Have you, have you ever played basketball? Like you ever I've just played think... all my life, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. so did I, I but I, like I, sometimes, I, you know, if you're in a groove, you don't think about, okay, I think let me follow through, you're, you're wave talk... goodbye to the basketball. Maybe thinking about confidence as opposed to like the details though, like, because I, I get that like when you are in a groove, you feel like everything's going to go in, um, but that doesn't that doesn't detach from like the little things that make those 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 shots go in sure. and, and the pole vault so but it may not be in your conscious like mind in the I, forefront i, I you see know? what you're saying you know what i mean i see what you you're saying what I, mean? I see what you're saying i i think yeah. i hear you all, ashley it's been five years <laughs> since uh mono Duplantis, you know graduated high school and he kind of put unrealistic expectations on the boys side like you know 19 feet is otherworldly and uh, he's he's he was one of one for sure and very different but two guys went over 18 feet that year and i don't know whether it was just them following that carrot or they really just were at the same level as him during that time and you know looking at that that stats over the course of the last five ten years really you know 16 feet 16 10 to about 16.5 is really elite. It's where most really good pole vaulters land on the boys' side. And getting over 17 feet has been that that next level. And I think, you know, now we're seeing guys like Maddox and Wyatt. Maddox went over 18 feet. Uh, Wyatt was getting close last year. But it becomes almost like when you are the next guy and people have eyes on you, there is a lot of stress involved with that and, and possibly expectations. So... Mm-hmm. Um, this past week, we wrote, we we published a story by Lilac Drafts Johnson on him and kind of the year since his his clearance, what it's been like. And the one thing that she wrote was that Ham hasn't been preoccupied with hitting goal heights. Uh, the bigger point for him and his coach Luke Robinson was development, and and you know I think that that kind of tries to eliminate the stress side of it and and focus only purely on let's get better every single day. Um, and as you said, Olivia, it's about being consistent, getting on on different poles and having more opportunities to test yourself at higher heights. Um, but at the same time, I think you want to go after those heights. So how do you marry those two things together? How do you try to have ambitious goals while also kind of keeping yourself grounded? That's the two things that I think both Ham and Stewart have to be mindful of because they're both capable of going 18 feet this year. Um and I guess we'll just have to see, but you know, uh, they've been good so far. Seventeen two is really, really good for both of them. So let's move on to our, our next segment, which is Milrose Milrose's high school preview. We have it coming up on Saturday in New York at the Armory. Shanti Jackson will be in the sixty. Sophia Gorioran will be in the six hundred. Amanda and Hannah Mall will be in the pole vault, and Connor Bur- Burns is set for the mile. As we said, uh, what athletes are we most looking forward to? Olivia, I'll start with you first. All right, here we go. The current national high school record holder will contest in the 60 meters this weekend. And I'm looking forward to Shanti Jackson putting things 
altogether. I think it's been quite interesting. I've been like, obviously I've been watching what Shanti's been doing. She's been really consistent with running the twos, the 300s and the 500s, like those longer sprints. And then this past weekend, she went 731 on Friday at the JDL fast track. So I'm just curious to see how she's going to respond to this, right? Like I know she's probably watching Micaiah Holland and Adesha Hodge putting up the times that they're putting in the 60, like seven twos, you're living underneath a rock if you, if you don't know that, right? But I'm just curious to see how she's going to respond to this, just knowing she's been putting all these longer sprints underneath her legs. Obviously, we know she has the strength right now. Now we're going to actually see some speed, you know, and she's going to be against an elite field. So I'm excited to see what Shanti Jackson does, how she puts everything together. I know she has this, the speed endurance. It's time to add some speed into there. Um, and also just kind of think about what she's probably going to be running at New Balance. I honestly just, I have no idea because she's just been looking so strong in these longer sprints. We haven't really seen much in that 60. So I think that's why I'm really excited to see what she does there. And I know also the Mole sisters will be competing in the pole vault. And I know Ashley will dive into this a little bit more, but it's just going to be a great competition especially with Amanda and Hannah, they're each other's competition, which I think is quite special. So those are the two events I'm looking forward to seeing the most. You think we're getting to 15 feet again? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I think that'd be really exciting. Yeah, obviously. Sure. So for yeah, sure. I'm voting for it. For sure. All right, Ashley, what about you? Well, I'll say yes. I think we can see another 15 <laughs> feet because I'm most excited to see the Amol sisters here at Mulrose this weekend. You know, like, I think it's kind of incredible to look at, you know, in their... Basically, their first real competition of the season, they both cleared 15-1 and then 14-10. I mean, those both new national record and then surpassed the previous national record. And if that's just, you know, their season kickoff, per se, like, imagine what they could do this weekend in a pro field, you know, at Milrose. You know, I'm just so excited to see what they can do. And, you know, sure, the competition's higher, but they have a lot of experience. You know, they've competed at World U20s. They've competed against pros before. And, you know, they've also been to Milrose, too, as well. Last year, they competed in the high school girls pole vault and Hannah won that competition last year. And so, you know, it's kind of like this idea of like, they've already, you know, hit such high goals. Like what do they have to lose? I mean, they're competing against the pros. It's going to be a fun time. And, you know, why not go for something even bigger, you know? So I'm Mm -hmm. excited to see what they could do. What do you think environment has to do with it? Because Milrose is an NBC event. Basically they're, I'm assuming they're going to be in some part of the TV window you know, cameras everywhere, lights everywhere. Does any of that impact, do you think, the the performance? I mean, it could, but I think maybe more in a positive way. You know, I feel like of, you know, of a lot of the athletes that we see on the high school scale, I feel like the Mole sisters are very, very seasoned when it comes to dealing with a lot of those, you know, storylines, maybe the pressure, the attention, that sort of thing. And, you know, this is kind of like, they've been good for so long, but have we seen them before on like a nationally televised NBC sort of thing? I mean, this could actually be more exciting for them. Like, hey, like, this is our chance to like, you know, just go out there and have fun, like, and have our little moment, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on board too. 15 feet would be fantastic. And it's like, we were preparing, all right, when are we going to do the story on Amanda and Hannah going over 15 <laughs> foot? Let's write that story this year. And then they did it before we even had a chance. So um, that, that, you know, <laughs> good for them. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Sophia Goriaran. Um, she's running the 600 at Melrose against pros. 
And I think she's truly capable of doing something really special here. She's proved herself over and over and over again over the years and years and years that we've seen her. Uh, she's currently nation's best in the 800, the mile, and the 1K. And he, here comes the off distance where she owns, you know, a world U20 record outdoors in 600. And she he, she owns national class records too um, for, for her age class. Um, I think that the biggest thing here is that Sophia should aim for what's possible, which I think in, in her mind, 125, I think is the number I think I could see her hitting for sure. The the overall high school national record is 123.57. A thing Mo set that in 2019 when she was 16 years old. It's a world U20 record. It's a high school national record. That's when a thing truly broke through like immensely. And she's gone on to, you know, gold medals in the Olympics and the world championships. Now, incredible, like few women in the world are even running that now. So Sophia has to set her or somewhere that that's reasonable. I think 125 or even 124 is reasonable for her. Um, set up with pros, she'll be in a field that can get her there. As long as the field is there with 100 meters to go, I think she's there. And the one thing that I think is in Sophia's favor is her experience and the amount of times she's been in this scenario against women who are six, eight, and 10 years older than her. Nobody in the U.S. has raced, you know, colleagues that are that aged that often and so she's, she's grown up challenging herself at every distance and against all kinds of people so i think ultimately that helps her there's really not a lot of pressure or stress for her um relatively speaking and i think she'd go in there and and do her thing but but saying that she does have a big decision coming up on friday that's when she's going to tell the world what she's going to do with the next phase of her life uh february 10th will be the day when she determines uh whether she's going to college next fall to to run for a program or whether she does something else um so let's let's stick on the subject of of sophia um the national letter of intent period started in November. So it's been a few months uh, since, you know, everyone signed and committed. And at this point, a lot of schools have locked up their scholarship money. Um, but like when Sophia's in the market here, I think schools have to find a way to get her, you know, into their roster. Um, if she's considering you, you have to be able to be able to, to, to admit her to, to, to the school. So currently deciding between Texas Texas A&M, Harvard, Penn, and Virginia. Of those five, uh, which do you think is her best option, Ashley? I think I'm going to be a little biased here, and I'm going to go with Texas, you know? <laughs> I mean, first off, I know I think her and her family come to Austin, you know, quite frequently. But, you know, more realistically, I mean, just looking at Texas as a program, like they have a – they build a powerhouse program both on the girls' and boys' sides. But looking at the girls more in particular, they're currently the top-ranked team in all Division One right now. I mean, they're just – it's mind-blowing to see what they do, especially in the sprints and middle-distance events. But, you know, also, too, though, like, in, in reality, it's really going to depend, I think, where, you know, Sophia decides to kind of specialize as she, you know, moves forward to the next level. I mean, we've seen her, you know, from every distance from, you know, the 300 up, you know, up to the mile, and she's good at all of them. And, you know, will she want to focus more on the shorter, more speed-oriented distances, or does she want to try to go – maybe up to the mile. And I know her dad's kind of hinted, you know, maybe she's more of a miler as she goes to the next level. So, you know, I will, I'll say Texas, but it could also depend on where, you know, depending on what distances she's, you know, focuses on, that could also steer where she attends school. Olivia, what's her, your best option on those five? 
Oh, man, I'm on the same wavelength as <laughs> Ashley, and that's tough for me to say, but Texas looks really strong right now, and I can see her fitting right in, and as Ashley mentioned, she's their family constantly goes to Austin, so again, it's a familiar area for herself, so it's somewhere where she might feel comfortable being. However, she's going to have to decide, I feel like, what route she wants to go in regards to, I know she's a really dominant lacrosse player, so I don't know if that's also playing a, playing a factor into this too, like if she wants to do both, but also just thinking about the events that she does. This girl does everything from the 200 all the way to the 5K, and so I feel like once you get to that Division One level, that's going to be tough to do to be able to do all of that right like I think she needs to just kind of focus on a specific area where she just wants to thrive in so whether that's the middle distance the distance that's up to her so the training is going to be a little bit different However, I'm also in the back of my mind thinking about Virginia. I'm thinking about the athletes that they have already there. They have Gary Martin, Justin Wachtel, Mia Barnett is there. Tatum David just committed. Jillian Boucher committed there too. So she's going to be surrounded if she goes to Virginia um, with some of the strongest distance runners that we've seen at the high school level over the next, you know, over the last couple of years. So I feel like Texas would be a great fit because they're very dominant right now. We're seeing that in the sprints. We're seeing that in the middle distance as well. It's an area where she's familiar with. So my gut's kind of leaning toward Texas, but I also in the back of my, my mind, I'm also thinking Virginia as well. And also yeah. it might be because I'm up here too. So yeah. again, might be biased. <laughs> Texas currently has uh, number one and number two men's 800 meter runners uh, in the country. Obviously they're a, they're a powerhouse in the sprints with Edric uh, and, and the hurdles. But right, right now, one and two in the 800s indoors and then number four on the women's side in the 800. So, they they they're good at the mid distance, and I, I I think I agree with both of you. I think Texas too. Um, I I thought that in January when we saw Sophia and her sister um, Natasha was wearing a Texas uh, cap on, even though she goes to Penn. I was like, is that a hint? Um, so <laughs> it, it makes sense. I think as far as like being in a in a climate that is. Uh, advantageous for training on a daily basis and and getting that work in and i think while she could she could run the mile also she could run the 400 potentially at the next level too um and and texas really has the people in place there to to make her great at both those distances uh but all that being said she might not do any of that and she might instead um decide to turn pro which uh, a couple Former high schoolers have done before, uh, Alexa Ephraimson, Ajay Wilson, and Mary Kane. Um, of course, Sophia has all the accolades. It would take us three minutes to say them all, all at once. But she's she obviously it ha has had success. But when we look at professional, making that professional decision, I think it would be a little unprecedented, uh, unprecedented for her to do it um, because – you know, she she just isn't an 800 girl. She she does so so many other things. Um, I think she's capable of, of doing, you know, up to the mile. Um, I, I think she could run potentially a 3K too. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, areas of of future ability that she has the, the potential to do. Um, I'm curious, do either of you think she'll take that professional route and why? Olivia, I'll start with you. Mm -hmm. That's a really tough question. I wish you would have started with Ashley, but I, I will go <laughs> ahead and go first. I feel like there, there are benefits to doing it that way, right? Like we're, we're seeing success when it comes to some of the athletes and uh, Corey, you mentioned it too. And also Arian Knighton comes into mind as well. But I also feel like it depends, like when they do make that decision, 
I just think about the times when I was running too. Like, for instance, there are different reasons on why, you know, athletes go pro straight out of high school. And some of them might go pro during their first couple of years of college. Some of it might be some of the reason being like they just exceeded, you know, maybe the expectations they have for themselves. There's really it's just domination, right? I think of a thing, Mo, like collegiate record after collegiate record after collegiate record, winning NCAAs, doing all the things. But also there might be that financial, you know, stand piece to it for financial reasons. But I don't know if that would also be a reason because with the whole NIL stuff going on, it just, I feel like kind of evens out that playing field. But for Mm -hmm. me, I always want athletes to have the opportunity to see it from different aspects, right? Like I would love for athletes to go ahead and maybe go the collegiate route to get that experience, kind of sharpen their, their skills, get more knowledge. Cause it is completely like the training is so different. Like I just remember when I was going from high school to college, I was just like, Oh wow, this is a completely different type of training that I'm having to focus on. I learned so much that also helped with carrying on my career to the next level. So I always, and I also think like, she's also just a kid too. like, enjoy the time that you have, have that opportunity to run. But again, there are, there are pros and cons to going either way, but that's just kind of my, my insight on it too. Ashley. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what she's going to do. Who knows? I mean, I definitely think turning (laughs) pro is a very realistic option. I, I will say that I really do think that could happen, but you know, kind of all in all, like maybe, you know, I think maybe it was like a year ago, I ended up, I did like a feature story on her. um, And I talked to her dad and he kind of said like, you know, as she's growing up, she always did, you know, lacrosse and running. But it was kind of always like, you know, Sophia, you do what you want to do, like that gives you joy that lets you have fun with it, you know. And so personally, I think, you know, I hope she chooses, you know, whatever, you know, whatever choice she makes, she has fun with it. You know, it's something that allows her to enjoy her experience, you know, get to race, you know, just enjoy the sport that she loves. Yeah. I remember um, mm-hmm. there was one story that Candace Owens wrote, uh, I think for Spiked, Spikes Magazine or something a couple years back. I mean, Candace turned pro out of high school. One of the drawbacks, she said, of, of doing it, um, she still went to the University of Georgia, I believe, but one of the drawbacks is that she had no training partners, right? She was out there alone in, in a silo, and it was difficult because she didn't have the the insulation that a team would bring. So, and you're right, Olivia. When you're 18 years old, it's really tough to make that huge move and and just have all this responsibility now. Um, because NIL is 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 in place, it it kind of um, it bridges the gap for athletes that like you know yeah. can make money in the time before potentially that professional route. So it, it helps in in that right. aspect. Um, Sophia has a ton of resources. She always has. I mean, she's. if you just talk to anybody close to her, they'll tell you that she's been able to train with amazing people. Uh, Ajay Wilson has worked with her in the past. She's had um, really great coaches and and um, rehabilitation and, and recovery-like resources. And, I mean, she's, 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 she's like, to me, I, I don't – I'll compare her to, to Ivan Drago, uh, Rocky IV. I mean – and not in a bad way. Ivan was a villain, but like in a good way. <laughs> Ivan ha- Ivan was cultured by everything around him to make him like a super boxer, right? And I think Sophia has been cultured by everyone around her to make her a super runner. Um, and and that's put her in a great place to make this decision overall. And we'll see how it goes. So on Friday, she will make the decision. And uh, from that point, we'll just wish her good luck. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, see how she does in 600. 
All right, uh, let's move forward to what's next this weekend. Um, we got a couple indoor state championships going on. North Carolina, Connecticut, uh, New Jersey sectionals, and the unofficial Florida championships here. Uh, let's start with Olivia. Um, just quickly, what are some of your thoughts on, on these indoor championships? Yeah, we're getting to the nitty-gritty part of the season now. Like, the dual meets are behind us. Invitationals are behind us. We're going into competition mode. So, you know, I'm really excited to see the unofficial Florida championships as a whole because Florida has just been so dominant this indoor season. And Ashley's going to dive a little bit deeper into this. But, like, we're going to be starting to see some things. I feel like kind of play – there's two different kinds of athletes going on right now. Like, there's the ones that are looking to stay sharp. And they're looking to stay fresh going to, into the competition part of the season. And others are looking to kind of train through this part of the season as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how they kind of collide together. And it's crazy to think, you guys, like literally in a couple weeks, it's going to be national time. Like literally in less than 35 days, 45 days, we're going to be talking about national. So the season is quickly coming to an end. And it's just going to be exciting one to see how the last couple of weeks unfold. Ashley, any particular meets uh, you're looking forward to? Well, I know I'm looking forward to the North Carolina State meet. I can tell you that, you know, me being our resident <laughs> NC specialist here, um, you know, just all around, like, kind of like what Olivia said, like, it's kind of crazy that all these state meets are happening. And again, it's kind of this idea of like, you know, you'll see a lot of these, you know, athletes that are looking to compete at nationals and over a month's time, like, they're going to race at states. And then it's kind of like, you know, you got to train, train, train until nationals. And so that can either, you know, benefit someone who really does well with that sort of training, you know, intensive approach, or, you know, like there's, it's different from having that, you know, the other type of athlete who, you know, kind of needs that consistent racing to, you know, be fresh and sharp. And so, um, but nonetheless, I think, you know, state meets, it's so fun and everyone, everyone has a good time there and stuff. And it's kind of a, you know, <laughs> a good, you know, boost going forward. And then for those people that are going to nationals. Yeah. PR, state records, all yeah. that capable at the state championships it's going to be great to watch all right we're going to go to our national meet of the week which is eastern indoors it's going to be held february 10th and 11th at the norton healthcare sports center in louisville kentucky it's a little regional gem uh held uh, at, at that new facility which opened just a couple of years ago over nearly 2,000 entries for the meet will feature athletes from kentucky tennessee georgia and and a couple other states uh the first race we want to talk about here is the girls 800 and it's a little better than than meets the eye we have a top seed by the name of elise wilms who enters with a a projected seed time of of 208 then we got a host of girls who could challenge uh kenya connor addison moore uh jace ward cecilia pugsley jessica sakura and uh kiera o'shea among others who are your top candidates to win this race and who do you think pulls away I'll go to you first, Olivia. Right. Kira O'Shea, one of Kentucky's finest, will definitely be in this field, as you mentioned, Corey, and she's probably one of the bigger competitors and probably the heavy favorite. But I'm going to switch, not really switch gears, but I just want to highlight two other athletes that I feel like can add some flavor into this mix here. First of all, Addison Moore of Woodford County. She's another athlete from Kentucky. We've seen her all throughout the last several years as a middle schooler. She's the AAU Junior, Olymp Junior Olympic National Record Holder in various events. She debuted her indoor season with a 216 and just ran a 215 last summer to win the AAU Junior Olympic title. I know she has the experience about competing against the best of the best. And I feel like she's going to surprise us here, to be honest. And she's also coming off a very strong cross country season as well. 
where she finished fourth at States and she was also ninth in the silver race at running lane, uh, cross country championship. So she's starting to gain that experience at the national level. Cause it is a little bit different, you know, AAU does it by the age. And then now as I, I remember as a freshman running against the seniors, it could be intimidating. So she now has that one season underneath her belt. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she does when she's on the track. And Corey, as you mentioned, there's Jace Ward of Ben Leppin. She's in South Carolina. She's number one in the state in the 800 meters, the one K and the 1600 meters. She ran a 217 just a month ago, which is a new indoor PR for her. So I feel like she's going to look to put a very fast time together, especially with this field that we have at this meet. All right, Ashley, what are your thoughts here on the, on the 800 girls, 800? Going into the 800, I think the biggest question I have is just how fast can Kiera O'Shea go? You know, like I think this is going to be really exciting to see someone who's typically, you know, sticks to the more distance oriented events to come, you know, drop down for a competitive 800 race. You know, she only runs the 800 a few times a season. You know, her lone race at this distance during 2022 indoors was at this same meet. And she ran 219 there for second place overall to Elise Wilms, who's going to be in this race again, returning to defender title. So I think this could be a really fun one for O'Shea. And, you know, she's entering this race, too, coming off a 10-18-30-200 performance just last weekend at Spire. Um, you know, <laughs> I feel like four laps, you know, will, or will feel like a breeze compared to all those laps she ran over the weekend. But, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, I think Wilms, honestly, is the heavy favorite here in this race, and you know, she has more of that speed that plays well for the 800 distance. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if O'Shea maybe, you know, toward the end of the race can maybe kind of reel her in with some of that more endurance that she has. Anything can happen. I agree there. I, 212 last year as a freshman for Wilms. Uh, she has the seat here of 28. So she's looking to break a Missouri state record. Uh, that's 211.67. Um, obviously, yes, favorite. She has the fastest time. But as we know in the 800, literally, you know, anything can happen. Um, all those girls are good. Uh, Kira. Jace, uh, Secure, um, Kenya Connor enters with a seat time of 210 and, and, and more, who's, who's the young starlet there. But I'm going to go with an off-the-radar one. Olivia Sabalo. she's from Carmel High School. Uh, she enters the top 400 seed at Eastern Indoors, 55-6-1. She doesn't have an 800. But anyone who's run a 455-6 has some leg speed. And I think she's run the mile. If she puts it together for the 800, I think... We could see something pretty good from her, 214-ish, 213 maybe. Just has to be a little bit more um, even uh, with, with her race rather than going out way too hard and then just letting it all come back to her. But I think Sabalo could have a really good chance to do some work here in the 800. Last segment of the show, the top boys race. We're going to drop into the boys 200, which will feature Jordan Ware, Abdul Sai Savan, Trey McGinnis, Jacoby Graves, and two others with times under 22 seconds. So it will be very fast. I, Olivia, I know you got some thoughts on this. What are they? Oh, absolutely. I wish we could drop some fire emojis right here, or bring out the popcorn emoji, because I feel like this is going to be the popcorn race of the weekend. It's going to be a good one. And especially, as you mentioned, several boys have seed times going into this race, sub 22 seconds, which is really, really interesting to see. I want to highlight Jordan Ware to kick things off of Memphis Central. He's also a Mississippi State commit. I feel like he potentially could be an interesting pick to win this race. Also kind of a wild card. He's been focusing on the 60 meters so far this season. He's just competed in two meets and posted times of 680. 
which has been his career best. So we know he has speed. He hasn't debuted in the 200 meters yet, but this is a guy who ran a win legal time of 21.25 in the spring. So I know the speed is there. It's just going to be interesting to see what he does to open up at this meet. Abdul Sai Savan from Georgia, he already has three performances under 22 seconds, and each time that he stepped onto the track, he's gotten faster. He started out with a 21.95, went to a 21.74, and then last month went 21.62. So if we're projecting what this guy could do next, hey, we might see something faster than 21.62, which is currently a personal best for him and number 16 in the U.S. Then you also mentioned Corey Trey McGinnis from Michigan. He's the nation's 18th fastest boy in this distance he ran a 21 63 this indoor season which he ran last month and he already has two performances under 22 seconds to his resume jacoby graves is another guy ran 2204 in louisville in mid-january so i feel like the biggest question going into this race is how many boys are we going to see go sub 22 this weekend at this meet with especially the close competition we have. And again, I mentioned a lot of 21 sixes, 21 sevens there. It's going to be a close race. So I can see a handful of boys really breaking through that bar- barrier to accomplish this, this weekend. Ashley. Yeah. You know, looking at this field again, it's going to be a fun one. You know, I really like Jordan Ware. I think in this field, you know, like Olivia mentioned, he hasn't ran a 200 yet this indoor season, but he has, you know, that 200 speed he ran under 21 seconds during the outdoor season in 2022. And he also knows what it takes to win. You know, he went undefeated in the 200 over the outdoor season. So he knows what it's going to take to come away with the win at Eastern indoors. But I also, I don't want you guys to forget either about Abdul Sai Savane. You know, he's already ran 2162. And I think that's more impressive because he seems to be more of a hurdles guy. You know, like he has a lot of history in the 110 hurdles outdoors, 60 meter hurdles indoors. And so for him to come out the season already and run under 22 seconds in the in the 200, I feel like that's really, really impressive and shows some improvement and maybe some more, you know, some honing in more at that 200 meter distance. And so personally, I'd expect to see those two guys, you know, kind of lead the way here, but it'll be exciting to see. I, I personally think size Zavon is like the breakthrough candidate of, of this year yeah. in, in the sprints, you know, in the hurdle mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, we didn't hear about him really last year at all. Um, he ran at AU and he was second at, in the 110 hurdles at the AU Junior Olympic Games. And obviously he's right now top three in the 60 meter hurdles and 2162 is, is great. I mean, he he really has broken through. I think he. I agree with with you. He he's the guy to watch here and could win. Um, Jordan Ware, you know, it's careful. You got to be careful with the the debuts because you know it, mm-hmm. it isn't an easy race overall, right? When you when you look at it, um, it's a. De- I just termed it a delicate race, Olivia. I don't know if the term delicate is is applicable here, but I think when you balance block work, turn running, and and maintaining um, your speed over over the distance, it, it there's a lot of moving parts that make mm-hmm. it difficult. And um, Jordan Ware is capable of of running very fast. He broke 21 last outdoor season, as you said. Tennessee State record here is 21.37. I think he's capable of breaking that, but I think it might take time. I don't think it happens immediately. I think it takes time, and so. If that's the case, I like Cy Savan in this race, but we could see something special from Jordan Ware. Um, all right, that has been our show on the line. We're going to get into more track and field next week as usual. And if you need any content like interviews, race videos, features, and more, go to milesford.com. We'll see you later. <laughs>